0: Want to create a breakthrough gene therapy or life-saving vaccine? Pioneer aerospace excellence? Take your hospitality tech brand international? Montgomery County, Maryland is where you can do all that and more. Use our ideal location next to D.C. Diverse world-class talent and our vast business resources to be the next company to make your mark and transform the world. Visit bnext.thinkmoco.com. That's bnext.thinkmoco.com to learn how we can help you create something remarkable. Welcome to the Fantrax Toolshed. If you love dynasty leagues and prospects, you came to the right place because that's what this show is all about. Covering the majors and all levels of the minor leagues to give you the leg up in your dynasty leagues. Now, here are your hosts, Eric Cross and Chris Clegg.
1: All right, dynasty and prospect fanatics around the world, welcome to the Toolshed. This is episode 42 of the Fantrax Toolship with Clayton Cross, powered by Fantrax and FantraxHQ.com. I'm your host, Eric Cross. This is going to be part two of our trade deadline recap because there were so many damn trades. We had to split it in the two episodes. If you missed part one where we discussed all of the major league players traded and all the value changes and whatnot that went along with that with David Mendelson, go back and check out episode 41 that dropped on Saturday afternoon. We will be discussing all of the prospects dealt in this episode, and there was a ton of them. And with me, as always, from Fantrax HQ, Mr. Chris Clegg. What's up, bud?
2: Feels like we just did this, but we're back at it again. All it's uh, for- it's <laughs> going to be fun. You know, uh, prospects are obviously our thing. So we chatted about all the major league guys on the move. Now we get some minor leaguers, so it's going to be a lot of fun. Awesome, there are, awesome time.
1: Right. There, there were plenty of them, as we were just saying before we came on the air. There's like, you know, obviously all rankings are different, but right around like five or six top 100 guys, you know, another handful more top 150 to 200 guys. So a lot of intriguing names were dealt at this year's trade deadline, which was probably the craziest deadline I can remember. It was one a few years back, 2017, 18, something like that. That was pretty hectic, but I think this one cap, you know, topped it for sure. Uh, this is so many deals and there's, it was a great day to take off from work and I forgot to take the day off from work. So um, next year I will make sure to do that. But before we get into the episode here, the usual housekeeping, you can find us on Twitter. Chris is at Roto Clegg. I am at Eric Cross 04 and our show is at Fantrax Toolshed. If you enjoy our podcast, please rate and review on iTunes or wherever you're listening. Please check out our Patreon for extra written content from both of us. Bonus podcasts, private discord access, access to our live prospect and dynasty rankings and much more. These perks are available across four different tiers, starting at $5 a month. Or if you just want to thank and support Chris and I, you can do so for $1 a month. Sign up today at patreon.com slash toolshed. And of course, check out all the other great written and audio work we have on the network, including our other podcasts, SP Streamer, On Campus, and Fantasy Hockey Life. All right, Chris, let's get into the episode here. Let's start with a big one here. Let's get things rolling with a big one and arguably probably the biggest prospect haul that went one way or the other this trade deadline, the Minnesota Twins dealt Jose Barrios to the Toronto Blue Jays, and initially we saw that Simeon Wood Richardson was going back in the deal. Like, all right, good first piece back for Barrios. Probably going to have some other you know mid-level prospects added in. But then nope, Austin Martin is the other person back in this. So Martin's a top. You know, some are higher, some are lower on Martin, top 30 to 40 guy for most people, though. And SWR is definitely top 100 right now. Both of them go back to Minnesota here. Uh, let, let's start with SWR. You know, I saw him earlier in the season and he looked pretty good. You know, solid above average fastball. I don't know if I'd say plus on his fastball, but above average was showing a, a really, really good curveball. He was landing for strikes. You know some of I've seen varying grades from other analysts and, and scouts on his curveball. I personally have it as plus. Uh, he also mixes in a, a above average changeup and a solid slider as well. Command and control, you know, this year has been kind of wonky, though. It's been up and down. You know, the walk rate is currently over 10%, uh, though the strikeout rate is over 30%. So he's still missing a lot of bats. But overall, 576 ERA, 150 whip, like I said, the higher walker rate. So been a kind of an inconsistent year for Woodchurchson, but Chris, what, what are your thoughts on him this season and where do you have him in your rankings right now?
2: Yeah, I still believe in him. It's been kind of an up and down year. Like he started the year really strong. I think you yeah, even yeah. saw him towards the beginning when he was performing yeah. really yeah, I well. I think it was
1: his second or third start of the year. It was like late April. Yes, it was, I'm not going to be, it was uh, like uh, mid to late May. So it was like
2: one of his first starts of the year. Right. And so, he he's still young for I mean the level, honestly. He's yeah, he's not even 21 years old yet. I had him earlier in the year at fifty-six. I dropped him to 78 this update, just obviously adding in, you know, the new first year players and dropping him a little bit because performance. I still think there's plenty of upside to be had here. I, I like the the profile. Obviously, the command control is something that's gonna need to tick up some, but like you mentioned, he's got a good fastball. Get some some good cut action to it. Good curve. I mean, the the change ups. I think a plus pitch. So I think that a lot of it kind of hinges on his command control, and I yep. think that's what it's going to come down to here. And hopefully, the Twins can develop that. And I like the the get here. I mean, they gave up a year and a half of Rios, and you know we'll get six years of control for both these guys, which is huge for them. So. Yeah, I'm. I'm still in on SWR. Dropped a little bit, but I think he's still easily a top 100 guy for me.
1: Yep, totally agree. He's currently 84th for me. Um, a couple other arms in this range here. So, Chris, I'm, I'm, let's do a little bit of you know who you got. Uh, SWR or Asa Lacey? SWR. SWR or Reed Demers? Detmers. Detmers
2: swr or edward cabrera uh so Tulsa. that's pretty close that's a good good comparison uh probably slightly into cabrera but but i think it's pretty close
1: yeah agreed uh let's throw a couple of the new guys in him or uh kumar rocker uh take rocker okay yeah that's basically i think i have uh, I think the only one we differed on, I still have ace Lacey. I'm three spots ahead of SWR, but, um, definitely in that range. Like the one I have below SWR, which I think we'd both take SWR over this guy, Matt Manning. Well, I assume you still yeah. hire an SWR. Yeah.
2: Manning's right outside of my top 100 now.
1: Yeah. And, uh, and, and speaking of redembers making his, uh, he made his debut. Well, okay. We're recording this on Saturday, so he's making it tomorrow and Sunday, but when you're listening to this on Monday, it would be yesterday. Kind of weird, but, um, yeah, he's very intriguing, but we'll talk about him on our next episode coming out on Wednesday, so check in on that um, for him. Uh, but Yeah, SWR, yeah, so I've, I've moved him down a little bit, but still think he's definitely a top-hunter guy. I agree with you there. Um, and he's just a likable guy. Like I said, I, I met his father uh, at his start earlier this year. Father was a great guy. Just talking baseball and uh, how proud he was of, of Simeon. So definitely a guy I'm, I'm rooting for to do well. It seems like a good family. Yeah. Um, so I think he can definitely still be a, I think he's, I don't know if I'd say he has SP two upside, probably more like high end SP three. I think that's fair to say, uh, especially if the command and control does tick up because right now it's, I think that are both fringe average, you know, maybe you put them at 45. I think, I think he's a little bit more command over control right now. Like he wasn't really missing the spots too much, but it's going to hit the strike zone consistently. So I say maybe like f- fringe 50 command 45 control at the moment. So Definitely something he needs to work on, um, but the the bigger piece going over to Minnesota from Toronto, Austin Martin, um, but he's kind of like you know another like the hitting version of SWR, where you know talented guy but hasn't really impressed like this year. I've seen Martin, three, I forget four times this year, something like that, uh, a handful of times we'll say uh, live because you know Portland and New Hampshire play each other a ton uh, this year um and i've been you know underwhelmed he's hitting for average he's hitting 281 right now getting on base 424 obp but just not impacting the ball much at all two home runs only 14 extra base hits in the 55 games does have nine steals so right now it's really a you know approach profile a, a high contact profile which is what we thought uh, when he came out of Vanderbilt was one of the most advanced bats in the class and you know, some people I've seen some people on Twitter be like, oh, well, it was an aggressive assignment. And yeah, I guess you could say double A the start is a slightly aggressive uh, for Toronto. But at the same time, he was, again, one of the more advanced bats coming out of that pretty good 2020 draft class and also played in the loaded SEC, which is the you know best conference in the nation for collegiate baseball purposes. So it's not like, yeah, maybe they could start in a high A, but he probably would have been a double A pretty quickly. Um. Again, he's so he's he's performed okay. I said the walk rate is very good right now. Walk rate currently sits at fourteen point eight percent. K rate is a tick over twenty percent at twenty one point two. So still showing that great approach that he showed at Vanderbilt. But I don't know, Chris. If he doesn't start hitting for more power and impacting the ball, is he just going to be like? I'm trying to think of a good comp here. Uh, I know slightly different profile, but like I me, mean, like on Jeff McNeil's level a value kind of like a, you know, at best a back end top 100 guy. Do you
2: see star power here? Or are you, are you kind of down on him because of the the lack of power right now? Yeah. And I've dropped him a little bit. Like I was probably too high on him coming out of Vanderbilt because he was very impressive yeah, at here. Vanderbilt. And he mentioned the best competition he could play and the power looked better in college, obviously, you know, transitioning from a metal bat to a wood bat has an effect and, that could be affecting him right now. But I think it is important to say like uh, somebody on Twitter said that he was overrated and then everybody started saying he was overrated yesterday. (laughs) Make, make your own opinions guys. Like just because one prospect analyst says something doesn't mean you should say it too. Right. Everybody jumped off the Austin Martin train yesterday and his perceived value tanked. Like I think it's, and, and what Chris blessing said was fair. Like his analysis was, was good on it. But just because he said it doesn't mean everybody else needs to say, oh, he's overrated. I saw it so many <laughs> times yesterday. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's all totally. Twitter was saying. Austin Martin's overrated. Austin Martin's overrated. Like one person it took one person saying it. Like we've got to stop that group think as a fantasy community, honestly. That's it was just kind of frustrating to see everybody say, like, he's terrible now. Like, I don't think he's terrible. You know, maybe he was a little overrated coming out of Vanderbilt. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. Guys take time to to transition as well. So you know the game power may not be what it, we thought it might be. Maybe he's a little below average game power, but I still think the hit tools plus. I think you know he's going to steal some bases. He's got average like sprint speed, but I think he's still got a knack to steal bases. So, yep. you know, I mean maybe he's a 15-15 caliber player that can hit 280, which I still think has some value. It, it can play. You know, it's not worthy of being like high end prospect. So like from that standpoint, you know I did drop and I probably deserve to drop him a little more, but. You know, I don't, I'm not going to come out and say like he's completely overrated and he's a terrible ball player. Like that's extreme. And I think that people took what Blessing said to the extreme when I don't think he was saying he was a terrible ball player by any means.
1: Yeah, I totally agree with that. Yeah. It's all it takes one person to say something. And especially when, when it's a highly regarded analyst, as Chris Blessing is, you know, someone that's been, you know, in the game and analyzing prospects for a long time now, someone I respect a ton that I've learned from over the, over the years. So um, when someone like that says something, and I, th- I think it definitely got taken out of context. Like you mentioned, Chris wasn't saying that it w- you know, he's a bad, but a uh, bad prospect. Cause he's definitely not. And I don't think anybody would say that, but I definitely think that we did overrate A lot of us overrated Martin a little bit due to, you know, what he was at Vanderbilt and, you know, the tools that we saw from him, but, yeah, I think that's why I brought up Jeff McNeil, even though McNeil is a little more power than speed. I think it'll be a flip flop for Austin Martin, but a guy that says, you know, high average, high OBP, probably, you know, has a pretty good amount of run score total because he's probably going to be a guy that hits high in the lineup there. Um, but I do like the move here to Minnesota. I Minnesota mean, has a good track record developing bats, and especially recently with you know, Alex Kirloff and Trevor Larnick coming up this year. Um, so I got plenty more good bats in the minor league. So, you know, if someone, is take is taking what Chris Westing said to the extreme and wanting to sell and just get rid of Austin Martin and sell pretty low on him. I might swoop in and see if I can get him for for a reasonable price tag here, but he's still a top forty prospect for me. Uh, as I pull up my rankings right now, he's currently yeah he's, he's around thirty right now for me, kind of in the same range as Brandon Marsh, Josh Lowe, guys like that. So I still think there's plenty of upside here, higher floor than than a you know high ceiling but um, definitely still like Austin Martin a decent amount. This hopefully the power can get to the point where he can at least be like, I don't know, what do you think 15 home runs or so? 12 to 15. I think that's still that's still fairly realistic, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, maybe he's not a 20 to 25 guy, but you know, 280 plus, you know, 375 plus OBP, 12, 15 home runs, you know, maybe 18 to 20 steals. Doesn't look like extravagant, but that'll get it done, especially, you know, I don't know where he ends. I still don't know where he ends up defensively. You know, we're starting to figure out how Toronto valued him. He was splitting time at center field and D, and uh, and shortstop. We'll see how Minnesota values him defensively. Um, so he could end up at any number of positions, and maybe he's a guy that gets multi-position eligibility like Jeff McNeil has over the years. So definitely a guy that could still provide some solid value for purposes. Uh, but moving on here to the next deal, a uh, much smaller deal, but Uh, Abraham Toro and Joe Smith went to Seattle uh, in the deal for Kendall Graveman and Rafael Montero. I know Toro is not technically still a prospect, but he kind of feels like one. Uh, And Joe Smith's a guy that uh, we talked about a little bit before on a, I think it was the show with Michael Richards, like a month or two ago. He's having a pretty solid year. Uh,
2: What do you think of Toro and Smith going to Seattle here, Chris? I like it for Toro. I've always been a fan. I mean, he makes good contact and, I think he's going to get more playing time here. You know, I, I don't see them resigning Kyle Seager, so you could think that Toro's is going to get his reps this year, and then he could be the incumbent at third base next season. And yeah. you know, he he's already been impressive at what he's done so far with Seattle. You know, you saw him uh, come in. I mean, literally switch dugouts after they traded him. <laughs> he comes in to pinch hit the ninth and hits a bomb off Brian Presley, which was pretty awesome.
1: No, that, so, yeah, that was great.
2: Yeah, I mean, a player like Toro is intriguing. Like, yeah, you know, he he's not going to cost you much. He may be available on the wire and I think that he can provide some value for you, you know, right now, like immediate help. And so I'm buying like he was definitely blocked in Houston. So now that he gets a chance to be free in Seattle, I'm I'm all in on that. I like that move a lot for for him personally and for for fantasy purposes. I like that too.
1: Yeah, yeah, I've never been like the biggest Toro guy. Uh, and I think my rankings over the years kind of it reflected that. But you know, as I mentioned here, as I, he was actually in my Wire article uh, earlier today. Well, on on Saturday, when you're uh w- listening to this on Monday, I, I had Toro in there, and I, I said he's a he's a solid bat. Like nothing about him stands out. Like I even mean, mentioned, it. he's not a star in the making, but he's shown some offensive adequacy. that maybe he can be at least an average bat at Third base, I like hit you a decent average or some pop, maybe two uh, 270, 18 to 20 homer type, something like that. Uh, he's he's shown a good, a good approach as well. Uh, never was a huge strikeout guy, always had a decent walk rate as well. Uh, and this year he's been his first couple of games, he was starting at second base in Seattle, too. So maybe multi-position eligibility guy. Who knows? We'll see how that works out moving forward here. But I do agree that you know, I think he's the third baseman of the of the future especially with they just traded away, which we'll get to in a second here. Um, Austin Shenton, who was a solid prospect in his own right. So it's kind of like looks like it's Toro's spot to lose over there at the hot corner long term after Seeger leaves. It's definitely a solid kind of sneaky target in Dynasty Leagues because I don't think there's a lot of hype, a lot of high price tags out there on Toro. So you can probably swoop in and get them for a pretty realistic or pretty reasonable, I should say, uh, price tag. So definitely one to target there. And moving on to Austin Shenton here, uh, he went uh, on a subsequent trade from Seattle, went down to Tampa Bay, uh, along with J.T. Chargois. Chargois. Chris, have we figured out how to say that last name? No, I don't think I have. (laughs) If you had to guess, what would you you say it is? Chargois? No, Chargo. I don't know. Maybe the highest is Chargo. Yeah, Yeah, I know. I always (laughs) funny story. So this reminded me, I, uh, I when I was younger, uh, talking like age 20, 21, it's about a decade ago, I worked at a warehouse. Actually, the same company I'm still at, but I'm, I'm in a different role now. Um, and I worked in the, the receiving department. So we were receiving in all these shipments. of. Uh, it's a bedding, uh, bedding company, so sheets, pillows, etc. And we were receiving in this order of sheets from an uh, Italian vendor we had. And on the box, it said, like, all the information, size, the color, all that. And I was looking at my buddy, who was a, a French-Canadian guy. And uh, I was like, Craig, what's this color? Chamois. He's like, dude, that's chamois. I'm like, oh, I'd never seen chamois spelled out before, but same ending, the O-I-S. <laughs> so I'm, just, I'm kind of thinking it's coming in here, um,
2: where it's something like that. But So um, I looked it up. It's a uh, Chagwa. S H A. Dash G W A H that's Chagua, right? <laughs> Way off. <laughs> wow. Yeah.
1: Um okay. Uh, apologies, JT, if you're listening. Um totally butchered the last name, but I will get it right going forward. So Shagua. Shagua? Chagua, okay. JT Chagua, we have, that was the, the mystery is solved. We know how to say his <laughs> last name now. So <laughs> getting back to business. Yeah. Uh, Austin Shenton and JT Chagua went to Tampa Bay in the Diego Castillo deal. And that's an interesting deal. You know, I don't know how Shenton works into Tampa Bay's long-term plans is, you know, they pretty much have a lot of depth everywhere. you know, they have Kevin Padlow as well. That's played some third base and who knows if any of their top guys end up there long-term, you know. Wander or whoever, but you know, Shenton himself is a pretty solid prospect. Again, kind of like Toro in a way where he doesn't do anything like well. He doesn't have this huge standout tool, but he's just a solid hitting prospect that can hit you a little bit solid average, some a little bit of pop, not a big power guy, but this year he's been performing very well uh, across two levels so far, high A and double A here. 326 total plate appearances. He's slashing uh, 298, 411, 559 with 29 doubles and 12 home runs in those uh, 69 games. Walk rate currently is at 13.8 percent, and strikeout rate respectable 22.1 percent. So again, doesn't you know doesn't provide speed, but I think I think you could say he's average to above average hit average to above average power and you know very underrated in general what What are your thoughts on shenton here chris
2: yeah i'm a fan i think the hit tools improved and he's shown that this year and you know, i think there's some probably above average power in the profile and he's performed i don't really like him going to tampa bay just because we know what they do and they have a right. lot of talent so how does he fit i guess is the ultimate question but Like you said, he's been been really good, and he makes good contact. He makes a lot of hard contact, actually. Good plate discipline, over 400 OBP, over 326 plate appearances. That's really impressive, and OPS near 1,000 at at 990. So, you know, like the profile around, seems that he's probably been a little underrated in prospect circles, and uh, hopefully he gets a shot with Tampa Bay. But, you know, I don't really love the landing spot.
1: Yeah, I I definitely agree there, but I will say at least – now, if there's any one kind of area on the field where Tampa Bay doesn't have, you know, super deep depth there or elite depth, it's probably at the corners, right? Like up the middle, they got a lot pitching. They got a lot outfield, but, you know, first and third, they don't have a ton of top guys. So I guess that's the and he's played some first base as well. I think he started. uh What was it? Uh 11 games, excuse me, 12 games at first base this year. I uh, went. Had 15 games last year at first base. Well, so primarily third baseman, but has played some first, a little bit of second too. Uh, three games started the second this past uh, this year, and he had some in college as well uh, and in the low minors. So, can you know he's played a little bit of outfield too. So he's a guy that they could move around to. Um, so maybe he's not primarily at third base moving forward. We'll see. But overall, he's a guy I, I definitely do like a good amount here. Do you think where do you have him valued for in terms of prospects? Do you think he can be? And right now, I have him at two forty-two, but at the same time, he's moving up. You know, this year like he's already moved up over hundred spots for me this year. Do you think end of the year top one hundred and fifty is
2: you know reasonable, or do you think that's all too high? No, I think if he keeps showing this improved hit tool and the good plate discipline and the power, then no, I think one hundred and fifty is definitely attainable. All right, agreed. I think that's definitely possible. Um, Another trade, you know, it's kind
1: of keeping this Tampa Bay theme moving here, uh, they made a smaller deal, but they acquired Jordan Leplow from the Cleveland Indians, along with DJ Johnson for Peyton Battenfield, who is an arm that's kind of burst onto the scene this year. He wasn't really ranked highly at really anywhere uh, coming into the year, but really, really dominated this year. He's a 6'4", right-hander, 225 pounds, uh, nearly 24 years old. Though he'll be 24 in about a week's time. Was primarily a reliever and was basically a reliever only in college, at Oklahoma State, when he made one start there uh, and was mostly a reliever in 2019. Uh, nine relief appearances, five starts in low A for Houston. But since he's come over to Tampa Bay, they moved him into the rotation. And that looks like a, a good move in 14 games this year, 12 of which have been starts for 67 and the third innings, 214 ERA, 0.80 whip, and a great 12 walks and 95 strikeouts so far uh, with 258 batters face. So that's, you know, that walk rate, 4.7%, and the strikeout rate at 36.8%. So, very good stats this year. And he's really been, like I said, a guy that's popped up a lot. So what do you what are your thoughts on him and how high do you think he can
2: go rest of the year in prospect rankings? Yeah, he's one that I've been a fan of every time I've watched. And you know, I think it's the right move to make him a starter. And I like that. I Obviously, there. I like what he's done. It's just weird that they traded him. Like, you know, it right? was just a bizarre trade to me. And I'm pretty aggressive on Battenfield. I put him at 121 in the recent update. And wow. I actually like him better now that he's with Cleveland because we know the track record of developing that's, pitchers.
1: Yeah, I do, I do too. One 121 though, that's pretty aggressive.
2: Yeah, it might be more aggressive than anybody, but you know, I've really liked what I've seen. He's pretty well rounded. The w- command is really good. The strikeouts have been there. You know, he's just been so stinking impressive. It's hard not, it's hard to ignore what he's done. And you know, maybe it was one of those things where he was just destined to be a starter. and He's never got the shot, and uh, he's performed. So, yeah, I'm pretty aggressive ranking. So I think he could be a top 100 guy by the end of the year. So, t- to me, it was a really bizarre move for Tampa Bay to do this for Jordan Luplow and with DJ Johnson. Yeah, yeah, I don't know because you know I'm a fan of Battenfield, and you know he just seems like he will be. A monster in Cleveland, like they could just do their their magic, and he'll be a stud. So I'm very excited to see his development, how it goes in Cleveland.
1: Yeah, I'm not obviously not quite as high as you. I have him around 250, yeah, uh, 247. Yeah, I was pretty close um, right now, but he's definitely he's one that wasn't even on my really wasn't even on my radar coming. In. Like I knew of Peyton Battenfield, but you know, but yeah, definitely how he's looked this year has been great. Like every start he's doing something well. I uh, use popping up in like, you know, my daily prospect recap, you know, tweets every morning, like every, you know, fifth, six days. So and like up oh, there's Peyton Battenfield again with uh, another good outing. And, you know, he's not a guy that like, even though he's risen a, you know, a good amount this year and performing very well. And I don't know how he projects long-term. Definitely. Like you mentioned, getting in Cleveland is great. These are the types of guys that they love to get the good command and control profiles. They can really work with, you know, I just don't know if there's any plus offerings there. It's a lot of like fifties, fifty fives, but that that'll still play mm-hmm. though. I think long term, you know, he kind of screams number four starter for me, like a higher floor number four. Um, but then again, he misses bats. Like like I said, he's at that th- around thirty five percent K rate, so definitely a guy on the rise here that you could probably still get for a reasonable price in dynasty leagues. Because even though he's been performing pretty well, like. Peyton Battenfield isn't like a big prospect name right now. No. So definitely one I think you could still get for a reasonable cost. So uh, at least right now, but he keeps this up. You won't be able to get him for a reasonable cost much longer. <laughs> so nope. definitely go out, try, try it now as opposed to like in the off season. So um, definitely an interesting name there. Any, any arm going to Cleveland is interesting for sure. Uh, and now moving on to a much more risky arm, not a high floor arm, but one with high upside, Anderson Espinosa got dealt from the San Diego Padres back to the Chicago Cubs in the Jake Marisnik deal. Chris, you know, Espinosa, he's, he's been around for a while. Obviously he's been around for, I think the Red Sox signed him way back. And I want to say it was 2014. I'm pretty sure. Obviously he had that four year stretch where he wasn't pitching at all because of all the injuries he had, but he's, he's finally back on the mounds. You know that's, you know, part one of the battle. He's still only 23. Like you'd think he was a lot older, but since he got signed at 16 years old, you know, obviously he's still fairly young. Uh this year in high A Fort Wayne, 502 ERA, 147 whip. Walk rate is, you know, hair over 10%, but he is striking out um batters at a near 30% clip here. So do you think there's still any value to Espinosa in Dynasty Leagues? Or is he one your year just because of all the risk
2: involved? You're one. You're just staying away at this point. I mean, in a deeper league, I think he's worth a shot. Yeah, like he hasn't been super impressive this year. But again, we have to remember that he hasn't pitched in a game since 2016. So that's a a big layoff. And I think there's some comfortability factors that play into that as well. So, you know, I'm willing to give him his fair shake. And also you look, and while he started 12 games, he's pitched just 28 innings. So at the same time, like he just doesn't have the workload yet. I don't know. I mean, I actually like the move for the Cubs. Like, it was a move that could pay off, and your, Jake Marisnik had no value to them. And, you know, at least with Espinoza, it's a chance that you get something where, you know, he could be a back-end starter. But at one point, you know, this he was highly valued. You know, he was one of, like, the top prospects in the Red Sox system way back in the day. Right. It's been quite a while now, but, you know, I, I don't know. I'm willing to take a shot in a deeper dynasty league, but you know, he's not like spectacular, but there is the chance that, you know, he comes around and he continues to develop and he proves his worth. I think there's definitely that chance.
1: Yeah, I'd agree with that. Like like you mentioned, you know, Marisnik is not a guy that fits into your long-term plan. He's always like been like that fourth outfielder. He's got some pop, uh, play solid defense, but never anybody that's got to be a cornerstone piece. So getting rid of him, whatever. And Espinosa, he's intriguing. Like you mentioned, he's, He's got the good stuff. He's got the, you know, good fastball, velocity curveball, change up, but I, I want to see next year. I think will be the, the make or break year for him. This year is kind of, like, all right, get back, shake the rust off, you know, get the feel back for being on the mound after that long layoff But the next year. Like, all right, this is a year. Are, are you going to get back to being a, you know, a good pitching prospect here with some long-term upside or is, you know, is, has that ship sailed? So, um, I'm kind of just giving him a pass this year, seeing he's, it's good to get, have him back on the mound. But 2022, I think, will be the make-or-break year for Espinosa. He's age 24 a year, probably in Double A. Uh, that'll be the real telltale sign to me as to is he going to be something or is he not going to be anything at all moving forward. But let's go ahead and take a quick break here. Uh, this was a good segue. We started off with this, for this first, the minor Cub deal here. we got a few more chicago cubs trades that we're talk about on the other side with a lot of intriguing prospects going back to the cubs so uh, don't go anywhere. we will be right back All right, welcome back from the break talking all the prospects that were traded at the trade deadline this year. And there were a ton of them. Let's get right back into it here with the other Chicago Cubs trades. Uh they made with Bryant, Baez, Rizzo leaving town along with Kimbrell, but he didn't net a prospect, even though Nick Madrigal was a really good get for, for uh Kimbrel. there. We talked about that in part one with David mendelson So go check that out. Uh but start with the Bryant deal. That ended them Alexander Canario and Caleb Killian from the San Francisco Giants. And that was, I feel like Cubs fans were, in general, a little underwhelmed with the return. Um, but at the same time, you weren't going to get elite prospects back for a Chris Bryant in this, especially with his you know contract coming to an end here pretty soon. But the two they did get were pretty intriguing. Like, we'll start with Killian here. He's really kind of burst. another one that's kind of bursted onto the scene This year that wasn't really on anybody's radar coming into 2021 in 15 starts between high a Eugene and double a Richmond 213 ERA 0.82 whip and a great strikeout to walk ratio 10 times, more than 10 times, almost 11 times as many strikeouts as walks, 96 walks. to only nine, uh, excuse me, 96 strikeouts to only nine walks. In 84 and two-thirds innings. So, you know, the bump up to double A hasn't seemed to face him at all. 243 ERA there. You know, this is a guy where I still don't think he's a more than a number four, number five starter long term, but he's really impressed here, especially with that command and control profile. So the Cubs getting him back in this, I think, was a very sneaky addition. What do you think, Chris?
2: Yeah, and I think that people will just be quick to look at prospect rankings and see him not very high, and they'll, that will be the judgment. But you know, right. Killian's one that I think in the long term could make the jump and be a really solid prospect for them. And you you mentioned the stats; they've looked good, and you know he also excels at just keeping the ball on the ground. You know, near fifty yep. percent ground ball rate at Double A, which is really nice. And you know, he limits when he allows a fly ball; he keeps it in the park more, like elite rates which is fantastic Those a lot of first pitch strikes like things you want to see and you know a good CSW not like elite CSW but you know pretty solid you know called plus swinging strike rates there and yeah I think he's more intriguing than people give him credit for and I think that people will come around I need to come around more on him in my rankings because you know he's continued to prove that the beginning of the year was not just a fluke he's just just turned 24 years old And so, you know, not super old by any means, even though in double A at 24, people say, well, you know, he should be up by now or should have debuted by now. But, you know, I'm, I like what I've seen and I think he's really taken steps forward and the command controls fantastic. The strikeout stuff is there. So yeah, I'm I'm certainly a fan of this, and I think the Cubs did really well to get him. I know anything probably was like very underwhelming after the report was was Joey Bart plus, <laughs> right? So. Yeah,
1: and, that, and that's fair. That's a name people know. People don't really know Caleb Killian, and you know not as many people know you know Alexander Canario at least not to Joey Bart's extent. But Canario is one where that was obviously the bigger piece that came back here, and the one that I'm really really intrigued by because. He's a borderline. I have him like right around top 100 overall right now. He's. I think he's already one of their five best prospects for dynasty rankings. Obviously, Vernon Davis is the number one easily, and then it's like a, a big cluster of like Ed Howard, Christian Hernandez, Pete Crow Armstrong, who we'll get to here in a little bit, uh, Reginald Presiado, and then Canario kind of like right in that mix, where he's been one that has really excelled since coming back and posted some pretty. You know, good exit velocities. He has struggled a bit lately, which has really kind of suppressed the stats a bit. So he's only slashing 235, 325, 433 right now. But at the same time, he has nine home runs, 15 steals, and 60-65 games. Again, you know, a guy that's posted some pretty good exit velocities. I think he's got above average to plus raw power, above average speed. You know, you got to see that power come up more consistently in games. But he's still very young. Um, I think he's still only 20. How old is Canario? He just turned 21. Yeah. Oh, just turned 21. Okay. Um, And there's still some, you know, projection on this frame, too. So I think he could be a guy that gets up to, you know, around 20 home runs. Maybe maybe he got up to 2020 down the road. We'll see. Obviously, he's still a ways away. He's still down in high A right now. But um, definitely, if the hit tool can get to at least a 50 to allow the power speed to come out fully, I think he's going to be a guy that. You maybe could see this time next year. I won't be surprised
2: if Canario is top fifty. What do you What are your thoughts on him, Chris? Yeah, I think that's fair on the the high end side. You know, top one hundred is something that he could easily approach. Like you said, want to see him make more consistent contact. Like that's that's obviously a big thing with him as the hit tool, and you know it hasn't fully been there this year. So that's something I'd I'd like to see. He's hitting just two thirty five. He, he honestly, a lot of it's just hitting a lot of fly balls, and he's not hitting the ball you know, line drives produce the highest batting average. And so his his dispersion right now is a four, near 40% ground ball rate, 48% fly ball rate, and just 12% line drives. And so you need to see him hit more line drives. You want to see the batting average tick up a little bit. So that's kind of the hope is that that's what happens is that he does, you know, see that come up. And that, that would, it causes batting average to go scope. So there's a lot of lazy flyouts right now because I don't think the power's like, you know, overly elite. So he's not – the big fly balls just aren't leaving the park. But still, you know, nine home runs and 15 stolen bases is definitely an intriguing profile. So, yeah, I, I think that – I'm curious as to how he'll develop. I think that you know, he could bump to double A maybe by the end of the year, but it wouldn't surprise me also to see him just stick in high A for the rest of the season. But, yeah, he's definitely one that could be top 100, top 75 in my opinion.
1: Yep, definitely agree.
2: How high do you think Killing can rise? Do you think – Ah, uh, what's
1: a good spot? Do you think he could be top 200 by the end of season?
2: Yeah, I would. I would think that's fair. Maybe even you know inside the top 200. Right now, I'm at 326, and I don't think that's high enough personally. So, you know, he should probably be top 250 right now. Definitely crack the top 200 by the end of the year if he keeps up what he's doing.
1: Yep, agreed. I have him. I was looking here, 286 right now. Uh, so yeah, I definitely think if he keeps us up, I think 200 is is reasonable. Um, definitely is a solid kind of high floor profile there with Killian with that command control. Doesn't really have any plus pitches, but a lot of 50, 55 offerings. So definitely think that'll play long-term and, and something that kind of goes in his favor too. There's not a lot of pitching talent in the Cubs system right now. Like I posted my updated top 25 uh, dynasty prospects from that system a few days back after the trade. And, you know, the only, the top one in that system is, it's, I still think it's Braylon Marquez, but He's probably, a, he might be a reliever, wrong term. So it's not like, a, I think there's only five arms in my top 25 there. Uh, and two were Espinosa and Marquez, who are big question marks. So Killian has a chance to really step in, you know, maybe next mid to late next year and kind of seize an opportunity there. So uh, definitely like Killian a lot here moving forward. A good, a good piece to buy now, while the price tag is still pretty low. Uh, and moving on to the Javier Baez return from the New York Mets. Pete Crow Armstrong, uh, who they took in the first round in the 2020 draft uh, that he should have gone to the Red Sox. I'm still mad about that. But he went, I think, it was 19th overall to the Mets last year. And unfortunately, you know, early on in his pro career, had an injury out for the year. Uh, so we don't see him again until probably I don't I think he should be ready by opening day next year. But we'll see. Um, but still out for the year. So that was disappointing. But a, a very intriguing profile. I, I kind of I've said it before. He was like a Kelnick light, where the solid I'd say above average, at least above average hit tool, plus speed. But the power isn't quite there. More of a line drive hitter, kind of a linear swing path. But you know, a guy that puts the ball in play can use the entire field. So really a a good base of tools to work on uh, work off of here. And now getting into a cub system that develops bats very well they're one of the top uh orgs in baseball and developing offensive talent in my opinion so i like the landing spot here for peter armstrong what what are your thoughts on that chris
2: yeah i think this was probably the best deal that the Cubs made obviously the most recognizable name being a top draft pick from uh 2020 obviously went 19th overall but peter armstrong is one of the most recognizable names in the draft like from a prep standpoint, like he was a popular name, went on all the circuits. So people knew him, people really liked him. He's a just a gamer. You know, he enjoys playing the game, plays it with a lot of passion, you can tell. And, you know, he only got thirty-two plate appearances early in the year, but he was impressive. I mean, he slashed yeah. four seventeen, five sixty-three OBP and five hundred slug, stole two bags, didn't hit a home run, but did hit the ball on the ground a little much. But again, it was a small sample. So can't really buy into stats at that level, but you know, you're looking at a guy that I think could be above average hit and and power and then plus speed, plus he's an elite center fielder. So he's going to stick there in yep. the center field. He'll be, could be the centerpiece of the Cubs in the outfield for a while. And I think the bat only continues to develop. You know, he's just 19 years old. He just turned 19 in March, actually. So he's still young. And even though he'll pretty much miss this season, I'm very excited to see the development next year, I think this was a good one for the Cubs. And obviously from, you know, a standpoint of fantasy, like, I don't know if it helps or hurts his value any, but I do like the openness to playing time. Like, cause this seems like the type of guy, the Cubs want to like build around. So yeah. the, the team leader, as opposed to, you know, the Mets now under new ownership can just go buy that. You know, the Cubs are more likely to, to build around Pete Cronstrong. So I could see him being like a core piece of that team for many years to come, which definitely helps for fantasy.
1: Oh, totally agree. And you mentioned that, he's a great defender too. this really good all around ball player on both sides of the ball. And that could be an intriguing outfield in a few years, have him in center field with Canario and then Brennan Davis on the corners. Uh, that's a, a pretty intriguing outfield for both real life and fantasy purposes. So I uh, definitely like the move a lot. So I, I'm a, I'm a big Pete Crow Armstrong guy and if the power develops. I think it can, at least to the point where he's like a, you know, 15 to 18 Homer guy. I don't feel it'll ever be like 20 plus maybe, Maybe. I won't rule it out, but I think 15 to 20 is the range where he ends up in with 25 steals and a solid average. Kind of like, uh, what's your good comp for him? Like early career, Lorenzo Kane, maybe something like that. Um, it's a very good, like a top guy, could be a top 100 fantasy pick down the road. It's a really good all-around profile, so definitely like Pete Crow Armstrong a lot. And the Cubs didn't stop there. They got back a haul of prospects from the New York Yankees in the uh, Anthony Rizzo deal here. Uh, They got back. Let me. I just lost my spot here on my sheet. Uh, They got back in the Rizzo deal, Alexander Canario and Kevin Alcantara. Okay, maybe not a hall, but uh, two intriguing prospects for Rizzo, who's, you know, we've seen the best from Rizzo, even though he's a great fit in, in the Bronx. And we talked about that on part one. So go check that out. But Vizcaino and Alcantara are two intriguing players here going back, more so Alcantara. He's one that, you know, he has the the loud tools, hasn't really put it all together yet. You know, 2019 slash 255, 305, 360, home run, five steals in 41 games. Uh, this year in the Flor- Florida Complex League, excuse me, uh, 360, 448, 520. So far, it's only in eight games, 29 play appearances, has a home run, has a steal, four walks, seven Ks. He's a, he's one that's always really intriguing. So he's got you know big power, some solid speed as well. You know hit tool obviously still a question mark here, but you know I think it, he's a guy that could be fifty hit in time. So still very raw, still only eighteen years old too. Like and he debuted at sixteen, which doesn't really happen too often. Usually they hold him out to the next year, but debuted at sixteen. Won't he? Uh, he's, he'll be nineteen here soon. Uh, actually, no, he just turned nineteen. Excuse me, a couple of weeks ago, but still barely nineteen. Intriguing tools. He could be a big riser here. What are your thoughts on him, Chris? And do you think in time he's a, you know, maybe a top
2: one hundred guy if he shows well this year? Yeah, I think that's easy to see top one hundred potential. You know, he was really hyped when they signed, when he signed with the Yankees, and then you know all that kind of faded. We didn't see a lot of him in game in 2019. We didn't get a ton. He was just okay. You know, rookie ball and. The complex level so far, you know, he's been pretty impressive. We also have to remember, like, he was just 16 in 2019 when, you know, he was playing. So that that obviously has a factor too, but, you know, you look at what he's done, just 29 plate appearances, but he's been impressive. He's a guy from a physical standpoint that can definitely add power. He's got good speed now, but I wouldn't be surprised if that ticks down a little bit if he does, you know, put on weight and strength because he is, you know, he's 6'6", 188. So, you look, there's definitely potential to add some, Weight and strength to that profile. The hit tool is going to be the question mark. It looks better already, but we'll see over a long, long-term standpoint of like what it actually looks like. I think that'll be a, right. a big thing for him. Rest of season, like well, what does the hit tool look like, and that will kind of factor in. But yeah, Alcantara is definitely one that I could see making a jump into the top 100. Right now, I've got him just outside of the top 200, but there's definitely the upside and potential for him to move up a lot. So yeah, it was a good acquisition there. Uh also like Vizcaino, who's yeah, pretty intriguing. He's a little older uh for his a for his level, excuse me, but and yeah, you know, the landing spot here, he could kind of move quick, I think. Cubs don't really have a ton blocking him. And so, you know, he was just in high A, hasn't really pitched a ton this year, actually. So we'll see how it goes. He's on the sixty IL, I know. So and when he comes back, I think is one that could be kind of aggressive with just due to age and know he's got a good fastball and changeup combo. I think the command and control is probably the biggest hindrance here, but, you know, has the strikeout upside, has those two great pitches. He may be destined for the bullpen, but even so, yeah. like he could be a solid bullpen piece for him.
1: I, I think, yes, yeah, so as I mentioned, I think he is a bullpen piece. You mentioned he's, you know, I'd say an above average fastball. I've seen some places put like 60 grades on it. I'm not, I don't think it's plus, but I think it's above average fastball. Yeah, I think it's definitely a plus changeup though, but, like you mentioned the command and control profile has been inconsistent. I'd say, you know, below average, about 45 on both. And then he hasn't been able to really establish any sort of a breaking ball. He has uh, a slider, but I don't even know if I'd put it at fringe average. I think it's 45 at best, maybe even a 40. Just has never shown a good feel for spinning a breaking ball. So I think the, the fact that there's the spotty command and control, lack of a, legit, you know, reliable third offering. I think he is a bullpen guy long-term. And, you know, I don't think he's going to be a closer. You know, I think maybe maybe at best he's like a seventh-inning guy. Uh, I don't even know if I see him in the eighth-inning and ninth-inning role. But, you know, there, there's some upside there. So if he if he can improve the, you know, uh, the command and control, improve the breaking ball to at least just a serviceable third offering, I think he could have some, some back-end starter upside here. But, yeah, yeah, definitely more of, I think, a bullpen guy moving forward here and let's move on to the other deal the Yankees made when they acquired Joey Gallo again you want to hear all these MLB guys go check out episode 41 part one of this with David Mendelsohn we talked about all these guys uh love Gallo going here obviously with that left-handed power but it was a you know a decent return going back, going back to Texas here they didn't acquire any elite guys the Yankees did well on trading from positions of depth. They have a lot of middle infielders, a lot of pitchers. They are able to trade from that without giving up any of their big name prospects here. But going back to Texas in the Gallo deal were middle infielders, Ezekiel Duran and Josh Smith uh, infield slash outfielder, Trevor Halver, who was their 2020 draft pick and Glenn Otto, who is really kind of popped this year uh, in double a, Uh, Glenn Otto, and that's Glenn with two ends, adds a second end to his name. Uh, This year, double A, three double A and triple A. You got a couple starts here, triple A as well. 333 ERA, 102 whip, ton of strikeouts. K rate is around 34%. And the walk rate has been very good as well. Only 17 walks in 75 and two thirds innings. Trevor Halver, who started off the the year really hot, but has cooled since, but still hitting a solid 288. Huge walk rate, you know, 64 walks in 299 plate appearances, which equates out to a 21.4% walk rate. That's ridiculous. Uh, so that's a 445 OBP, 498 slug, nine home runs in 66 games there. Josh Smith, let's get all the stats out of the way here. Uh Josh Smith was injured, so he's only played 40 games this year, but 324, 453, 634 slash line. Nine home runs in seventeen games, uh, nine home runs, seventeen steals. Excuse me, in forty games. And last but not least, Ezekiel Duran, who's my highest ranked of this quartet: two ninety two, three seventy four, five thirty four uh, in high A. Twelve home runs and thirteen steals in three hundred and two plate appearances. So a lot of intriguing names here, Chris. Uh, let's start with the, with the middle infielders here: Duran and Josh Smith. Now, how high are you on both these guys? Like I said, I'm higher on Ezekiel Duran. I think he's a top 200 guy right now. Good power, speed, blend, which he's always had. He had 13 home runs, 11 steals back in 2019. The hit tool was the question. You know, He still doesn't have the greatest approach, but the
2: contact sales have looked better this year. So where are you at on these two guys? I've got them both top 150. I really like oh, the prof- profile on both. Yeah, and Josh Smith is pretty underrated in my opinion I don't think he's getting the love he deserves yeah he's a little older for the level but still it's hard to argue what he's done nine home runs 17 stolen bases the slash of 324 453 634 this minor league season yeah just 40 games but still having a, a 1087 ops is pretty dang impressive and you look at the profile he hits the ball hard he makes good contact so I'm a fan of what I've seen and and he was one that I've always kind of been a fan of and this year just kind of popping off you really like to see that and you know there's actually another josh smith with the rangers which is interesting so and now fangrass has to separate them by their middle initial which is fun <laughs> so this one is now josh h smith but yeah i'm a fan of smith duran as well like you said i've got them both top 150 because i like the profiles on both i think that there's interesting power speed and you know I'd probably give the hit i don't know duran's hit tool has been improving i think that was a question mark coming oh, to the sure. year and He's, he's really improved that. Uh, and the speed he's gotten caught seven times, which is interesting on the bags, but you know, not a big deal. I mean, I don't really count a ton of minor league stolen bases for future. And I don't know if Duran has the best speed overall. So I'm not sure how it will really translate. He, he obviously steals a lot, but he doesn't have the best speed overall.
1: Right. Yeah. yeah. I think he, he's, he's got, probably like a,
2: he's a 50 runner. I think. Yeah, that's fair. I think that Duran has the more intriguing set of tools for sure, but I'm a fan of both guys. I think the Rangers did did well here actually.
1: Yeah, I think with Duran, he's above average the plus power, average speed, but he has shown that he wants to steal. So, I think even with the, you know, middling, you know, speed grade in general, I think he's still going to be like a 15 to 18 steel guy long-term, you know, 20 to 22 home runs. So still going to be a 20 to 2015 profile, I think is within the realm of possibility with him. If everything breaks right, obviously, you know, he's still a ways away. So a lot a lot can happen between now and then. But if that hit tool continues to show improvements to be like a 50-hit type of guy, I think he could be a, a solid offensive player at the second base position. And Josh Smith, too, Like I'm a little higher on Duran, smith but i agree that smith has been very underrated he was a second round pick for the yankees back in 2019 i believe it was um like I said, doesn't have the greatest profile but does everything well doesn't have any like huge deficiency in his game so uh definitely two players i'm very intrigued by and in that i'm moving up my rankings quite a bit uh this year especially and then moving on to you know trevor however i don't know i'm not quite as high on however, I think people went kind of bonkers with him earlier in the year when he was just tearing the cover off the ball uh, to start the season. But however is more like a top 250 guy. You now for me, doesn't bring really any speed to the table. I think he's a below average speed guy. Never showed like he wants to see He, only, he only had uh, actually he had zero steals in college actually, and he has two this year. But it's never going to be a big part of his game. It's going to be the bat that carries him, the approach. And I said, the approach is great. I I mentioned the walk rate, the OBP, 445. I think he could be, at best, a poor man's Ryan McMahon. I don't know. I think there's some upside with the bat here, but I'm not quite as high on him as uh, other people are. But what what are your thoughts on Halver here? And Glen Otto, too.
2: Yeah, no, I'm not a a real fan of Halver. I think that what he homered in, like, six home runs in his first five games and everybody went berserk, like this was going to be the – the next big breakout, but I, I've got him at 372 in my rankings. I just don't, I don't really see it. You know, I think that we went a little high on him to begin with, and I did too because I pumped him in, in like to 299. So he dropped from 299 to 372 in my latest update. Obviously, a lot of factors of you know a lot of first-year players and another, some guys that jumped him, but you know, I'm I just don't see a huge impact there. But Otto, on the other hand, you know, he kind of reminds me of Killian to an extent where. He's a little older, like an older prospect, but yep. and he's been he's been really dominant this year. And you look and just stats in general been really good. 333 ERA over 13 games, 12 starts, 75 innings. You know, the strikeouts have been good, obviously, really good actually at 13.7 per nine, just two walks per nine as well. And it's all backed up by like the underlying metrics. Like his CSW for the year, thirty-seven point four percent is Super elite. He gets a lot of called strikes. You know, He commands it, commands the ball well. He hits his spots, and so he's got 20% called strike rate. It's really good, and a 17.4% swinging strike rate is also really good as well. He keeps the ball on the ground. He doesn't allow a lot of home runs, which is a plus as well. And so pretty well-rounded profile. And again, I think that I'd argue that the, rain, or the Rangers got three underrated prospects here in yeah. Smith, Duran, and Otto. And I think... Maybe they get aggressive with Otto. I don't think he debuts this year. He just was bumped to AAA, but I really could see him you know, up next year at some point with Texas and starting.
1: Yeah, no, I definitely could see that as well. Uh, he, he's moved up a good amount in my rankings too. I think I have him around 300 now. Halver's in that same area for me. I think I'm a little higher on him than you are, but definitely think he was overrated for sure. Uh, let's move on to the last deal here. Another end with the, we started with the big one. Let's end with a big one here. The return in the Trey Turner and Max Scherzer deal, which I think was underwhelming to some, but has some interesting pieces, mainly Josiah Gray and Kybert Ruiz were the two big pieces to go back to Washington. So they've improved that system a little bit. Still, I think a bottom five system, maybe still the worst in baseball. Cause um, so it was terrible terrible before, but they've added Brady House in the draft, Daylon Lyle, you know, Kate Cavalli has excelled into a top five pitching prospect this year, adding Gray, top 100 guy, Ruiz, top 100 guy now. Um, Ruiz is the, let's start with him, Chris, and Kybert Ruiz, who has always shown the, you know, the hit tool and the approach, but the power was the question, you know, didn't really impact the ball as much as I would have liked to see, so I kind of bumped him down my rankings. But he made some mechanical adjustments in 2020 during the layoff, and that has really kind of blossomed his power uh, back to where we thought it could be in the lower levels of the minors. And uh, this year in Triple A, 381, one, six thirty one slash across 231 plate appearances with 18 doubles and 16 home runs. 10% walk rate, 11.7% strikeout rate, and he's always shown that great approach. Never has, never had any swing and miss issues to his game. Uh, walk rate's always been pretty, you know. Actually, it's been a little lower, but he puts the ball in play so much with those high contact skills. But this year, the walk rate's around 10%. So that's very intriguing, and that powers back. So I bumped him back up into my top 100 recently. Uh, he'll be there in my next update on site in a couple of weeks, and I think he could be a sneaky good stash rest of the year too like the only guys in the active roster right now are uh, 37 year old renee rivera who is just a journeyman who's just playing there because they have nobody else right now and um uh, trey's barrera who has been pretty solid this year and in limited action but projects more as a backup long term so ruiz could get a look here chris moving forward but what are your thoughts on ruiz here and where do you have him ranked long term in, in your prospect rankings
2: yeah, and he's probably one that I need to to move up and I was I've always been lower on him, but there's been legit changes this year that I probably haven't taken into full account. Like he's always been a high contact guy and you know his contact rate this year is at the top of AAA at 85.4% for so an overall contact rate that's that's really impressive. And you see what he's done at AAA's, he's, he's torn it up, hitting 311, 10 12 OPS, so an OPS over 1000 there. 16 home runs. And we had never seen that kind of power before, you know, 16 home runs coming over just 231 plate appearances. He's hitting the ball hard, everything you like to see. And, you know, I think he's has an argument to be in the top 100. The catcher position is seemingly a lot better now, which is interesting. It's it's, it's really really,
1: a lot of intriguing names there.
2: Yeah, there are. And it wasn't that case at one point. So (laughs) much better. And yeah, it's a lot of fun. So, Yeah, I'm definitely like what I've seen from Ruiz. I think the adjustments have been huge for him. And so, yeah, you have to take that into account. And I don't think – I think he'll start in AAA with Washington, but he could see time by the end of the year for sure. And so, he, like you said, he might be a sneaky stash.
1: Yeah, for sure. Like You know, with these types of guys that you have this surge again, like you look at him and you look at the tangible changes that were made. Like we mentioned, there was a mechanical change with the swing – And it's showing this year. And this is not just a triple A, you know, aided stat line. Like these were tangible changes that he made. And he's driving the ball in the air more consistently than he ever has. You know, I said the approach is still there and very solid. So there's a a lot to like here uh, moving forward. And, you know, I'm still probably not as high on him as most. But I think he could be a, um, what do you think, a 280 type of hitter, 15 to 20 home runs, you know, a high floor guy. Uh so I definitely think like you look at the he's really really been driving the ball in the air this year. Like it's been a drastic change. His previous career high or assuming uh, a high for any level no matter how big the sample size was was back in rookie ball 2016 42.3% fly ball rate. Then ever since then it's been mostly in the low 30s you know, 31, 32, 33%. This year, 52.3% fly ball rate. The line drive rate is up as well to 23.3%. Ground ball rate, which was usually in the mid to upper 40s, down to 24.4%. Obviously, I don't think it's to remain that way, but definitely the fact that he's shown the ability to drive the ball in the air after a swing change. So, these are tangible changes that I'm believing in, and I'm I'm back in on Kyber Ruiz. So, top 100 for me. And then as for Josiah Gray, you know, he came up recently, made a couple of starts that look, and looked pretty good with the Dodgers here. Numbers weren't great. He even, three bombs in his first outing um, last week, but overall, eight innings, he's given up six earned runs, four home runs, but that's have 13 strikeouts. Uh, So the only 35 batter's face. So a really solid strikeout rate. I'm still not quite as high on Rui, assuming on gray as most are guy. I actually liked Bobby Miller and Ryan Pepio a little bit more than Josiah Gray, but he's got a plus fastball, you know, a good, you know, trio of secondaries, which are all like 50, 55 offerings, but none of the three are plus maybe the slider flashes plus at times, but Solid command and control profile, though, definitely helps. So, I think he's a number three starter long term. I don't see anything
2: higher than that, though, but still a very solid arm. What are your thoughts on him, Chris? Yeah, I think you're right. I think he's like a mid rotation type arm. I think there is some strikeout upside, like that's that we're kind of discounting a little bit, but even still, like there's some things in the profile that I don't know, not necessarily loving. I don't think he just has that front of line. Upside. And so it's an interesting, like, return for Washington here. And I do think there's some value. I think he could, I know he's starting in AAA, but I think he'd give you a little bit of value down the stretch. And, you know, he should be one that's in the rotation next year. He'll be 24 next season. So he should pitch most of the year next year at the major league level. So he's one if you're looking for more of an impact sooner, than he's definitely one that I like. And, you know, I think there's a potential for him to take the next step and be like a, Maybe a back-end SP2, but I, it would take a lot on his end, in my opinion. And so its I'm not ruling it out, but I think he's more of an SP3. But I do like the profile. I don't love it. Yep,
1: I'm pretty much right there with you. All right, that's going to wrap up this episode. These were actually two bonus episodes that we added this week because there was no way we were going to get all of the deadline talk, plus the other stuff we wanted to talk about uh, in the one show. So this is episode two this week. We'll have our quote unquote normal show with what we are going to talk about um, on Wednesday. Uh, So make sure to tune back in there. Thank you to everyone again for listening this episode. We hope everyone enjoyed it. You can follow us on Twitter. Chris is at Roto Clegg. I am at aircross04 and our show is at Fantrax Toolshed. Check out all of our written work at FantraxHQ.com or over on our Patreon and make sure to tune in again Wednesday for more Dynasty and Prospect Talk. But until then, everyone take care.